previously on Anything Goes. It's like old people know real anger. They know fake anger. I have the same thing. Okay, and they, for, for whatever reason, old people fucking love what I do. And they've all, they're always the ones that come up to me and go, keep with it. We love it. We really enjoyed it's it. the people in the middle of age that, right. that are still defining. Or the 19-year-olds right. who are like, how can you say this in front of someone my grandmother's age? It's like, what are you, are you giving me a, give me a break? They know, they, they, people forget that, that that's actually comedy at its best is when, Absolutely. you know, these people that have seen everything can now get an opportunity to laugh at the things right. they don't necessarily talk about. Like, I used to do a bit when I'd see a lot of old people, like, whenever, to, to address that specifically, it's like, how am I going to offend you? You remember when condoms were lace-up. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, you know, right. and, and the, you know, that, that yeah. that's true. Yeah. And then when you break that ice with them, they're sort of like, it actually works, because they're like, oh, I shouldn't laugh at them. Oh, yeah, good. I mean, I used to, like, I'd say, because there'd be 19-year-olds upset, and I'm like, look, you know, you don't know what real anger is. You're trying to finger-bang your girlfriend in your parents' minivan. Yeah. These these people, they're RSPs, which they is They invented finger-banging. Yeah. <laughs> they invented it. Therefore, one plans aren't going anywhere. They're eating food they don't want to eat. Their their kids don't yeah, call them anymore. They've they been married anger. twice. They've had affairs. They've been to wars. They, you, know, you know, like you, like your joke is going to offend somebody that lived through Hitler. Ex- right. Well, exactly. You know, and I that, the reference was, you know, my grandmother sucked dick in World War II, so she didn't get scurvy. She knows what real fucking anger is. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. That's the bottom line. That's right. And now. Let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Now, with two scoops of fuck you. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? Fucking comedian. Can you dig it? All right, this is Anything Goes for the week of October 23rd. My name's Dave Martin. We are actually, these are a couple special episodes coming up. Uh, Darren Frost and myself, who's uh, right beside me. Yes. Uh, we are uh, in Ottawa, and the nation's capital. We uh, took some time out to uh, record a couple of interviews. Uh, who did we have on, Who do we have on this week? Uh, this week we have a comedian that's playing uh, at the other comedy club, Absolute Comedy. His name is uh, Jesse Joyce. Uh, if you're not familiar with Jesse Joyce's material or his act, you should be. Uh, we went and saw him live and just did a great job on probably the hardest show of the week, which is Friday Late Show. They're pretty drunk, yeah. uh, tired, and uh, he still did a great, great job, which is a, you know the sign of a true professional. That Doing well on that show, it's not the easiest thing. Um, and we sat down with him, and you may some people may know him from his uh, writings. Uh, he's done uh, the Comedy Central roast for Flavor Flav. He was also Greg Giraldo's writing partner for a period of time, which we got into. And uh, he also wrote for the Oscars for Seth MacFarlane. So right, yeah, yeah, like interesting stories, and he does like a he does a good job uh, telling like the route how he got there. Yeah. Uh, when I saw him last night, I did see a lot of sort of that Greg. I saw a lot of Greg Giraldo in his act. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they're two guys that's just sort of probably spent so much time with each other. Yes. They liked each other's style. I don't know if they – I don't think they grew up in the same city. I think Greg's from New York. Yeah, or, I'm not, I'm not or sure. Or Boston or something. I don't, I don't know that. But I, I did see how you would watch Jesse and be like, oh, I could see how he would – Fit in well with great well, definitely style. the way the, the way that yeah the, the the material was framed was very kind of I could see that yeah I could see yeah. that a little bit but uh, I was you know I was really impressed and I don't want to sound elitist or anything but I'm 
I feel I'm pretty hard to impress when it comes to stand-up comedy and what I like. Right. And there's not many comics I put in that kind of category of like, wow, you, you got to really check them out. Uh, we talked to him for about an hour or so. We're going to play as much of the interview as we yes. can. And uh, anything that you don't hear, we'll tell you at the end of the show that you can go to the podcast and listen to it. All right, enjoy. Uh, so you're playing Absolute Comedy, yeah. uh, the other club in town. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize how many times you've actually come north of the border. I knew you played Ottawa a few times, but you've played Toronto a few times. I've been playing Canada for years. Like, right. In fact, er, uh, the comedy desk, Ernie Butler's, that was like... Oh, okay, old school. He yeah. was the first place that... He was the first guy to ever headline me, like way before, like when I was like 23 And or Ernie was like the first that. person to headline me as well. Oh, was he? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he really seems to like give guys a shot yes. early on. So, uh, so yeah, I've been coming up to Canada for years. And oddly enough, my parents, like I grew up in Pittsburgh, like I'm not, I'm an American, but my, so are my parents. Like, right. but uh, my parents are real like Canada files for some reason. Like they instilled in me as a child this like. So you would take Canada. family trips up here, or yeah, yeah. My parents own a, a house in Nova Scotia, like Whoa. right on the water. Yeah, they have like a what, what, like a summer place. Middle of fucking nowhere. It's two and a half hours southeast of southwest of Halifax. Okay, yeah, like I, right of course, down yeah. the southernmost tip. Yes. Yeah, they just have they have like it's like right on the water. They have nice. like a That's summer gorgeous place area. There. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So I'm pretty familiar with you people wow, and your you're workings. Like, uh, you're like 49 percent Canadian. <laughs> you Kinda. people, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? Uh, so um, and and. At what point did you start uh, doing stand-up? Because, yeah, from, you went from Pittsburgh, to, and then did you start yeah, stand-up in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I did uh, in, like, 97, yeah. 98. So, uh, yeah, so when I was, like, 17, 18, that's when I started doing stand-up. And then uh, I did it for a couple of years, and then moved to New York, and I've been based out of New York the whole time. And that's so, interesting. Yeah. Like, you, like, pretty much two or three years in, you said, fuck it, I'm going to go to New York. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a funny story if you want to hear it. Uh, sure. What, when I was, like, when I was in college, uh, I used to, uh, I would tell the, like, the uh, student activities Hey, I'm a comedian, so if anybody comes through, I want to open for them. Okay. So it was like a cool way to get, because nobody else on my campus was doing stand-ups. So right. I was the only, so I get and, to open for everybody And a lot of people don't realize how big the college market is for stand-ups, especially yeah. back then. It was a pretty big thing. Yeah, totally, in thing. like the late 90s. Yeah, yeah, so like I worked with like, uh, who do I with Jimmy Fallon, like right, right way, be, like right before when he just got on SNL. Right. Before he was even doing Weekend Update. And I worked with like Rob Schneider once. And like just, they were real cool to me. And uh, but Mark Curry, what do you remember? Of course, hanging with Mr. Cooper, yeah. Mark yeah. Curry. Yes. Yeah. He was the fucking coolest guy in the world to me. Like I was literally not a day older than eighteen, and I used to wear a suit on stage. It was super awkward. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I still had like my notes on the stool. Yeah, That's yeah. how green I was, you know. And after the show, I talked to Mark Curry, and I told him that I wanted to like move to New York and do stand up. And he gave me. He sat there for like an hour and a half with me and gave me like the best advice. And it's like standard comedy advice that you give yeah. anybody. But it was just like, but hey, was, listen, he doesn't have to give it to an eighteen-year-old kid when he's at a college. He could right. go try to finger bang young. So exactly. So exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Right. So he or sat he was there with doing me. that at the same time as. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, I was just sitting on the edge of the. Well, hang on. This story is actually going in a similar direction. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, he basically just told me like, what you want to do is just like wait till you feel like you're the best comic here in Pittsburgh. Right. And that's when you move because you made a bunch of mistakes somewhere where it doesn't matter. Then you can move into a bigger market, and then by that time you're really only competing against the best guy from Chicago and the best guy from Baltimore because, you know, you kind of paid some dues. and Sure. So you're not, like, hitting the That's ground. very good advice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. So you had some experience when you got to New York, but you're still also green enough that you're willing to start over and suck a dick because nobody gives a shit about you. Right. Like, guys who move too late to New York, I see it happen all the time, where they're just not willing to start over. Yeah, of course, know? yeah. And he said, but the second you do... You do feel that way that you're the best guy. Get the fuck out of here because otherwise you're going to end up being just like the local shitty like golf tournament. Yes. Or like, angry local bitter. celebrity yeah. wacky morning radio DJ bullshit. You know, it's like I didn't want that either. So 
So I remember I was so inspired after I like left hanging out with him. I was like, what a fucking great guy. I like sat there. I like wrote everything I could remember down in my notebook. And I was like, that's, I hung it on my wall. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I like literally structured my life plan around Mark Curry's advice. Like I literally lived my twenties that way. And I never even sought like a second opinion. Cause I was like, that makes perfect sense. Right. So I did that. I actually lived my life throughout my twenties. According to what Mark Curry said, I waited for a few years. Then I moved to New York. The point is I always wanted to thank him. For being so cool to me, for taking the time to talk to like a brand new kid about stand up. It made like a major impact, yeah. Yeah. And I just never had a chance to run into him. So, like, a couple years ago, a few years ago, I did the TBS Comedy Festival in Vegas. It's yeah. like a big televised. Yeah. So, I'm back there, and Mark Curry's in the green room. And I'm like, holy shit, I haven't seen this guy forever. I go over to him, and I'm like, dude, you are never going to remember this in a million years. But, like, fucking 13 years ago, you op- I opened for you at my college, and he goes, Pittsburgh, right? Like, right away. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you want, I bet you want to know why I remember that, right? And I go, yeah, I totally do. And he goes, because there was some girl in town I was trying to fuck, and you wouldn't shut the fuck up asking me dumb kind of questions. <laughs> you kept me there for like hours. You, you followed me out to my car. Like, you wouldn't leave me the fuck alone. I, you were just, I was trying to shake you, just say whatever I could think of to get you out of my face. Yeah. So, like, I was like, you know, I structured my life around that advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like one man's cock block is another's career advice. Like, it was just a fascinating. Right. I know, I know that some people, uh, well, like last week, uh, not last week. It was uh, uh, a Toronto comic, Pete Zellacker, was uh, he went to acting school in New York, and uh, I, I guess Pete he really well actually. Pardon me. I know Pete really well. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, so. shit. Okay. He's one of the guys who helped me get into the nest. So. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. Uh, anyway. He was saying that like when he first uh, moved to New York, you know, he, and uh, Adam Sandler was like a day player, like not I don't want to say day player is not the right, but when he just not got a full on, cast member yet. Yeah, he was just like a featured player yeah, on yeah, the yeah, SNL. Yeah. Uh, and and nobody was like you know coming up to him or hanging around. And so I guess uh, uh, and Pete started talking to him. And then one of the some of the advice Adam Sandler gave him was uh, don't watch any comedy. Right. And then I could see that, but that almost seems like the kind of advice that like you'd give a comic who'd been doing it for a while. Right. Because uh, I said to him, you can always tell when another comic has just watched a lot of Bill Hicks. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or Mitch yeah. Hedberg. Oh, totally. And yeah. then you know they get that similar sort of swagger and attitude without even like right. without even trying. Right. And. Um, Ra- Ralphie May actually told told me the same thing once because I remember coming up to him and I knew that he was from Austin and I knew that he like done worked with Hicks before and, right and uh, I just I was asking him of course I'm asking him all about Bill Hicks because I, I just started discovered him myself right and then he, his advice was like don't try not to listen to any more Bill Hicks because yeah. you're just you yeah you just kind of he's like an Elvis sort of like that you yeah you, kind of, you start. Uh, you know, modeling yourself after him without even realizing it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like one of a, that's like a whole camp of new guy will try to emulate him. Yes. Yeah. Without the realization that it took him fucking like you for know, years. I said to two to, to do two dirty names in stand up comedy or comedy was uh, Andy Kaufman and Bill Hicks because of the Man in the Moon. All of a sudden, there was this big regenesis of everyone trying to be Andy Kaufman on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, Bill Hicks is an icon for so many right. people that everyone always tries to be them. Yeah. No one's ever going to pull it off, and yeah. they should just you know let sleeping dogs lie to a certain extent i don't have a problem when i can tell someone's a little influence but a lot of times it goes a little too far yeah well that's yeah no i mean that's because like hicks was a one of a kind he was a goddamn genius at what he did and it's like the balls of a guy who's been doing stand-up for five months to go like yeah i'll just write yes right brilliant scathing social satire like that (laughs) it's like a lot of people try to model their career now after like a doug stanhope type thing or his own louis Louis. like people just think that he just walked in all of a sudden louis and they're just like oh i'll just drop a couple n-bombs that's and it's like no 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 Right. If you watch how he does it, right. he's way better at it than you are. Right. And plus, uh, he spent 15 years toiling around in clubs yeah, yeah, yeah. as a headliner. Right. 
he put that work in and that time in to then realize I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And then he was at a level that he was good enough to then make that jump. Right. But a lot of people forget, and same thing with Doug. Doug did the clubs for eight or ten years before he said, I'm going to try to find my own place. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah, yeah. But they forget about those, you know, those years of like, you know, grinding it out, grinding it out, working hard. Yeah. Because they just think it's just, like you said, a couple end bombs and we're off to the races. There's like jokes that I have that I wrote like a year into comedy that just bombed and sure. then I tried it three years later and it still bombed and then I tried it four years after that and it fucking bombed and then I tried it two years after that and it crushed just because like I know how to do that joke now like you were not you at the level to, the to be able to pull it off yeah yes. I yeah and there's jokes I have now in my head and in a notebook that I, I can't I know someday I'll, like 10 years from now that joke will destroy but I just don't have all the tools in my belt at this moment 17 years into comedy to pull that one off you know yeah it's, it's i remember like seeing a guy on stage once and he went off on a and this is like uh it's like two it was might have been like 2004 or 5 and he's on stage and he just he goes off in, in, on, on a bill hicks sort of rant about how hey you know what man there's no there's no good bands anymore there's no good music right and then like then people in the audience started shouting out the names what about green day what about the chili peppers <laughs> and this guy was completely crushed about of just like Okay, well, I guess they're all right. And, uh, in, in fairness, all right, you you make a few valid points, audience. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, people like uh, people put Hicks on such a pedestal, but also you kind of listen to some of his stuff now, and and there is this part of me that's always like, it does sound. You have to realize it. Does, I mean, it does sound a little dated. This you know guy in his early thirties well, screaming about died. the new kids on the block. So, it but, has to be dated. He died. Oh yeah. yeah oh no, I I do I do. Right. But it's right. sort of when people try to do that yeah, 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 same yeah, sort yeah. of act again. It's well, that's like. That's what I always feel like is just, yeah, is, is that there's a lot of guys who were like fucking great for the time. Like, I do think that Hicks transcends a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. His yeah. shit about the old Iraq war. It, oh, yeah. No, it still stands. Absolutely yeah, still stood for the sure. new Iraq war. Like, right. it was a future yeah. predicting bit. It was amazing. Uh, but there are a lot of guys that I do feel that way. It's like, I appreciate Woody Allen and I appreciate. Well, when you put it in context like, of the time but, as well. But my whole thing about like seeing someone like Pryor, everyone thinks Pryor is amazing. Pryor, I love Pryor. I don't get example. me wrong. But you know what? I, I'm not a huge fan when he talks about sex that much because to me it's kind of, eh, I, I guess I, it's not that I, I know the tricks of the trade, but it, it doesn't impress me. But when he talks about his own pain in his life. You know about fucking. That's you know, why, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, but when he talks about the pain of his life right. and anything that's going on in his life that's painful and is real, that's timeless. It doesn't yeah. matter who you're making fun of at that point. You know that this is a moment in his own life that is now out there forever but right. he's talking about something real and the same thing with Carlin towards the end where he got so angry a lot of people didn't dig it I loved it right. because there was a sense of this is real it may not be hilarious punchy 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 right. but it's so well written and so real that impresses me more right all right, this is Anything Goes for the week of October 23rd. That's the end of the first section of our interview with Jesse Joyce from Ottawa. When we come back from the break, we will continue our interview. This is Anything Goes. Okay, one, two... Three. Listen, Listen up, up out there. This is Jeremy Hawks. And Pat Thornton. And you're, and you're listening, listening to Darren Frost and Dave Martin on Anything Goes on Canada Laughs. Bite the pillow. It's going in dry. 
This is Anything Goes. Hey, everybody, this is Anything Goes. This is the second segment, our interview with Jesse Joyce, recorded live in Ottawa. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, I feel like what another thing, too, is like if a guy like really fucking breaks the door, blows the doors open, and like cracks the coat, does a new thing. Sure. Like what Carlin did, and then like yes. what Pryor did. Everybody then jumps on that bandwagon. Yeah. And like comedy evolves, you know, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't have a long shelf life. And right. so what happens is guys take everything they can from prior, kind of steal his sort of essence and his right. mannerisms, not stealing his jokes, but like kind yeah. of do what he did. So by the time you show up on in the comedy scene, that's like kind of hack and old because you saw the guys guys who ruined prior for yes. you. So yes. by the time I got around to prior, yeah. he was already kind of ruined for me yes. by like hacky 80s, like by like Eddie Murphy. You know right. what I mean? Eddie Murphy just fucking ruined prior for yes, me. Yes, for many bits. Yeah. He just did it badly. You know? Do you think I, I remember seeing a, a thing about uh, Eddie Murphy? And he, this is uh, you know, this is like a good like six, seven years ago, and he said that he wanted to get back into stand-up. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think he like a guy like Eddie Murphy could get back into it, or do you think he's uh, kind of because he'd have to? No, well, I don't know. I mean, I think he'd, he'd have fans. I mean, I think people would enjoy his show, but would he be a great stand-up? I don't know. I mean, but I, I don't just, think he was a great stand-up the first time. No, right? I know that. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, yeah. I, I think it's it's it's, but also there's. It seems like a lot of comedy fans almost want a certain amount of honesty, and I just don't know if like Eddie could really get into. You know, because he's just been such a, a, like a mystery for so long. Like, would he yeah. actually have a five-minute bit of honesty about picking up the tranny? Right, yeah. A lot of his shit was, like, nostalgic adorableness. Yes. You know, that kind of, like, you guys remember Light Bright? Ice cream. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, you know. And yeah, nobody wants to see a 55-year-old dude fuck a stool. Like, that's just a gross. <laughs> right. The, the one um, thing we were talking about, and I wanted to bring this up, and we kind of sidetracked a little bit, is when we were talking about... Not being able to pull off a joke now. Yeah. Now, you're based in New York, so you see a lot of comics and a lot of young yeah. comics, probably their first time in New York or, sure. or whatever. What I always find very interesting, there's a comic up in Canada who now lives in, in England. His name is Bobby Mayer. I don't know if you ever heard him or not. He's this young guy. Right. But he was the perfect example of I saw him doing material that was not going well. Right. But was hilarious because the audience just didn't buy it from him. Yeah. He was just too young to have either that life experience or that kind of yeah, outlook yeah. on some of the topics. And, you know, as he gets older, he's going to grow into that. And that's probably, right. you know, a good thing because then he won't be this young 21-year-old kid with, with that kind of success. Yep. He'll kind of ease more into it. But you must see that a lot of seeing someone doing material that's great. You know it's great. You know it's not cheerleading. But the crowd may not be digging it because he had to follow someone that was, you know, 20 years experience totally. or whatever. And do you ever go up to a young comic like that and say, hey, man, I, I got to tell you, I thought your shit was funny. Yeah. And, I mean, for whatever it's worth, not to, like, I, I not to piggyback onto the how great their shit was, but, like, I was that guy. Like, I yeah. started at 17. Yeah. Nobody fucking gives a shit what an 18, 19, 20-year-old guy has to say about anything. Absolutely. Like, especially, in the, so, especially if he's wearing a suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I bailed on the suit after about a year. But, right. yeah, but regardless. <laughs> did someone have to tell you about to bail on the suit, or were you just I, sort of like... I don't remember, but I'm sure somebody did. Yeah, yeah. I got a picture I could show you. <laughs> uh, one of my college buddies, just uh, he'd been holding for ransom for the last 16, 17 years of tape of me, like one of my very first sets, and... He lives in Atlanta. He gave it to me the other day. Oh, you got to put it there. up. You got. Yeah. I put yeah, my yeah, first yeah. one. I know. Up. I know. It's pretty bad. So oh, I took yeah. a still of the so I could show people. Yeah. Like, this is what I used to. But uh, but yeah, I had to like. I feel like there's two. I always tell young guys because especially guys who start out really young. Like I really feel like a, a connection with those guys. Mm -hmm. You know, I always try to tell them. You know, maybe I save them a few minutes of making mistakes that I did. You know, sure. or whatever. And uh, that. 
there's like kind of two schools of thought in like there's the guys who are in their like mid late 20s when they start and those guys are always like oh god i wish i'd started when i was your age you know yeah, that kind yeah. of a thing but i feel like both get you to the same place because what what i i gained in stage time you know so by the time i you know it was 27 i'd been doing it 10 years you know like so that was great but I'd only had valid shit to say for about a year or two. Like, nobody right. gave a fuck. Right. Like, yeah. I kind of finally... So, what 27-year-olds who start out bring to the table is they were like a human being first. You yeah, know way I mean? more life experience. Dude. Yes. They had a job and had to pay rent and fucking had an yes. apartment. And, like, all that. Like I never had... Like, my whole filter, my whole life has been through... My whole adult life has been as a comic. So, I kind of feel like I got a little shortchanged on that end where... It wasn't until, you know, I was 28 and I got married briefly that I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm like, I'm dude, an adult I have now. stuff to talk about. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like an old thing of, like, uh, you can always tell, like, how long someone's uh, been doing stand-up when uh, their act is all about, like, uh, observations about hotel rooms and daytime yeah, TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, it was all, like, comic <laughs> experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, don't you hate it when you're in the hotel and everyone's like, "Well, I don't. We don't spend that much time in." Hotel. I've been in a. I was. I think we were in a hotel three years ago, honey. Right? Is that yeah. Correct? yeah. Like I was. I was around 25, 26, where I started had this epiphany, which was only about three or four years in. But I realized there's gonna be a time where I don't want to be a 31 or 35 year old dude. Uh, telling the jokes I wrote when I was 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because yeah. I'm not gonna have that same perspective on it, and it'll be just like a hamster in a wheel. And I kind of decided from that moment. And it took me a long time to get to a headlining spot of material I was proud of. But I realized that you have to talk about from the perspectives you're at now. Yeah. And that's the only way you're gonna get through the shitty nights. Right. You know, the great nights are easy. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Oh yeah, you're yeah, great, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, totally. But the nights you're bombing, or it's not connecting, or there's a big fucking bachelorette party that are a bunch of cunts. Right. There's only one way to get through that, and that's to do it by your own way. Right. And that was a, you know, I think every comic, yeah, around eight or ten years kind of has that epiphany moment of in their career. Yeah, totally. Is there a listener drinking game as to who says cunt first? Because <laughs> oh, it's always, we did, it's always we me. Just did it's it. always yeah, we, we just did. It's always right. me. It's always you. You always get to yeah, it first. Yeah, uh, um, One of the things that I've kind of noticed is, um, I know, like in Canada, we only started getting Fox News maybe uh -huh. about uh, eight, maybe eight, nine years ago or so. Uh -huh. uh, and so I remember watching, like, you'd watch clips on The Daily Show, and they yeah. were always taking shots at Fox News, and there was always this part of me that was like, oh, man, I, I want to see it. I don't know what they're talking about. And, <laughs> and I, like, because, you know, because we actually don't really, like, it's sort of, like, our conservatives up here are probably, like, pretty liberal compared yeah, to yeah, some yeah. of the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And yeah, it's sure. sort of like, you know, I mean, we... You've been through Alberta before. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah Like, Alberta is like our, 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 our Texas. Yeah, I call that's, it frozen Texas. That's yeah, what I call that's it. A, yeah. That's a great way to call yeah, it. And so. it's just... It's like everybody has boots and there's, like, mud on the floors in yeah, hotel rooms. Good old boys. Yeah. People drop the N-word all the time. Like, it's really very... Right, right, right. It was, I always say it's sort of like, an, if, you, if you see someone walking around, uh, like, Toronto with a, a cowboy hat on, they're, like, yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. it ironically. Because right. they hate cowboy hats and sure. stuff like, oh, look at I'm a hipster uh, sort of bullshit. Uh, I saw and I've seen a lot of comics will be and Fox News is an easy target yeah. as far as like comedy goes. Uh, but I do see like Fox News has that like a weird. Uh, I mean, it has Red Eye, which is yeah. a weird opportunity for comics to come on. That and, show is great. And yeah. it's really. Yeah, because I mean, I do not I don't align myself at all with the politics of Fox News. But the beauty of Red Eye is, is that it's super tongue in cheek like. It just it has a conservative slant to it, but right. the premium is on the comedy and not on the actual yeah. politics. Yeah. Nobody, you're really a fucking wet blanket if you go on there and actually state your real opinions. Like, like if you watch that show, I don't know if you ever saw it, but 
but it's like there's a comic, and then like the oh, two, yeah, the regular watch, guys yeah. were all funny. You know, the three Andy, Bill, and uh, yeah, Greg, yeah, they're really off the and cuff. Then there's and usually good. like another, like a whatever, like a Washington Post correspondent who's like got it. You know, he's a clever, witty guy. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like some lawyer or like a you know like a female pundit or and every time it gets over to there, and I'm not saying just because they're women, but like because it'll be a dude sometimes. It just fucking it's like it's just a squeaky wheel on that show. Like when they genuinely try to wedge an actual opinion in there, it's like. They'll always go right back to me, like Jesse, dick joke, please, to say yeah, this. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. without saying it, that's what yeah, they do. Yeah. Right, like, and, and like I've, I've, final thought to not have well, this because it's twenty three hours. Bummer. It's twenty three hours of the other stuff yeah, that yeah, they're yeah, known yeah. for. And uh, from when I watch that show, because Doug Benson got in a lot of trouble, especially up here in Canada. I don't know if you heard about that controversy. He uh, he said some derogatory things about Canada, but in a joking right. way about us not joining the Vietnam War and yes. things yeah, any yeah, Canadian yeah, comic yeah, would say, that. and we'd all laugh about. Oh, that was yeah, because Greg got a lot of heat from that specific show. As yes. well. Yeah, like yeah, he got yeah. death no, threats right, and, right. and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, Canadians, we can make fun of ourselves, but don't you ever, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you, you no, can't I make fun it. of my sister, only I can make fun of her sister. Absolutely, I understand. But I, when I watch that show, that's the kind of vibe I do get from it. They're not taking anything super serious, mm. and that's what the other 23 hours is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah it's just, so. it, uh, whenever I watch that show, I, I always get like, does the rest of Fox News know that this show's on? <laughs> it, it doesn't just, seem like it. it. It really doesn't seem like yeah. anybody's behind the wheel. Like, you can just stay and do whatever yeah. you want. But it's like, and, it's like when people talk about, like, when, like, The Simpsons will take shots at like the the right wing and I've, I've heard i heard harry Shearer on the stern show once talk about how like fox news and then fox entertainment are two very separate yeah yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. uh you know uh, uh you know uh entities I suppose yeah they could call. and uh, it almost seems like red eye is like that same sort of thing on fox news cause yeah i'll watch like o'reilly and hannity sometimes and uh they're yeah, just cartoon characters yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know i remember are you a keith Olbermann fan uh, not really that much to either, but like I have friends who did right. who would do stand up, like I mean, do uh, comedy commentary on his show. on his show too. Yeah, and uh, I guess Keith Olbermann once said that he ran into Sean Hannity somewhere, and and uh, he was just going on about, hey, isn't this great? Like this feud that we're having right now, and uh, and it just it sometimes it's like uh, I'll watch Sean Hannity, and he's like it's it's. He's kind of playing up his character too. Oh, much. totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And people don't realize that like those might be kind of his opinions, but he's almost going overboard with them to yeah. the point where people like don't know that uh, people think that that's the real him. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, they're gonna re- eventually replace Sean Hannity with a raccoon with rabies and a swastika tattoo. You know, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> get it. That we, that's, we're really gonna put it over the top here. It's just when they uh, have the government shutdown, and Sean Hannity's like, you know, I don't really see what the big deal is with this government shutdown. I'm not yeah, I know. By you would it. think that like he, he and his writers at the end have to be like, oh fuck, how are we gonna put a spin on? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right, at a point, yeah. it's yeah. like, I gotta fucking back this too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like every time it comes up, so. That's why, I, but Red Eye really is good. It's like a great draw, like as a comedy avenue. Like yeah. I always have Red Eye fans coming out to shows. Right. So I mean, then that's why I keep doing it because well, it yeah, really yeah. does. Do you ever worry that they're also like Fox News fans? Because then, well, the kind of people that come to the club. Well, actually, you know what's weird is it's really uh, geographically uh, obvious. Yeah. Like because it's on on the East Coast at three a.m. Right. Which mean on uh, on the West Coast it's on at midnight. In Anchorage, Alaska, it's on at eleven o'clock at night, and and Honolulu, eleven. So 
the most reasonable fucking like I pack a club in Anchorage, Alaska once a year from Red Eye people because it's like prime time almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's their it's their Letterman. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you do a show on like in the southeast, like Georgia, or I just did North Carolina, the Red Eye fans are serial killers. You know what I mean? Like, like because they're the kind of people who are watching yeah. Fox News at three in the goddamn morning. Yeah. You know right, I mean? right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, just <laughs> trying to like uh, trying to get the meth off their teeth. Or yeah, something. if yeah. I run into a Red Eye fan at the airport, I can tell you immediately what side of the country they live on you know what i mean because it's a vastly different kind of person that watches tv at midnight versus watches tv at three in the morning yeah. now i watched a lot of your, your clips i've never seen you live we're going to come to the late show tonight uh oh, at cool. least i am i'm not sure if dave is because he's got to be jet back and forth anyways long story short i i only saw clips so i've never seen more than say seven minutes right um the one thing i really got from you especially from you have this heckler video i mean i've got a couple of heckler videos, right 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 but um on stage, you're very playful and not vicious. Is that a fair assessment of your kind of on-stage demeanor overall, or is that just out-of-context clips? Because I found you like – that's not saying it's not – I found right. you very funny, but very playful. So it's like when a heckler – my a lot of times I've been kind of vicious because I'm – you know that's yeah. my on-stage thing, like shut the fuck up and here's we're going to go toe-to-toe. But you kind of from that one video – uh, kind of took a different approach to it, and it was kind of playful. And yeah, I I like to give because you know with the roast writing, so I'm a I am a pretty cutting guy verbally. Oh like, yeah, I know I for have the roast you those are, yeah. tools in my belt, and so I tend to like to give people enough rope to hang themselves. You right, know? and and I will just like take shots at people in the crowd. So yeah. I feel like you know like I am anytime anybody's dressed like an asshole in any way like I'm it's my favorite thing to just <laughs> for no reason just right. size them up and just but I mean just by it, your style like you're right. more playful than like say well, Bobby Slate like and Vicious it's the sort of you sort of get more flies with honey kind of a thing yes. like yeah. I can say awful shit about them if I'm doing it with a smile on my face of course yeah. yeah you know what I mean so that's kind of the the way I try to toe the line with it is well, it's like, like, you know, Anthony Jeselnik, like, right? Well, he smiles a lot yeah, yeah, right. in between the horrible rape yeah. joke or whatever, right? And right. It's the same kind of uh, delivery system in that way. That yeah. you're just like, well, hey, buddy, thanks for coming. You know, yeah. I'm glad you could take time out from spending you know, a life sentence in a Serbian <laughs> prison to be here because they're yeah. like some grizzled fucking, you know, like if you just kind of do it in like a friendly way, I feel like it buys you. Because actually, I just saw there was a kid I brought with me. I just did a college in Montreal this afternoon or yesterday afternoon. Right. I told you about, and uh, one of the kids was opening. A uh, really funny guy. Uh, I saw him do it. He, there was a guy in the front row at the college who was like kind of chatty. Yeah. And he just fucking cut his balls off right away, and like yeah. the crowd was like, "Whoa!" Like you, you ha- there's a really, I think, like years of experience, kind of a dance that you have to do. Yes. Where you have to just like really let them show off that they're an asshole first, right? Yes. Yeah, and and keep leading them down that road until you fucking have them. Yeah. Or or the other side of that, because I, not to defend what I do or some other guys, if you do choose the other route of cutting it very quickly, right? The rest of your material better back up that kind of attitude. Well, no, but at the same, I agree with you. But so that's another thing that I'll do too. Is is that. Uh, that's what I say about like if somebody's dressed or whatever. Like real early on in my set, I will just uh, kind of uh, like it's a Vietnamese prison camp strategy, is what I call it, where you just cut the head off somebody immediately right, for no right, reason, right? Like not somebody who's heckling, right? Yeah, like, right, right. Just because that's where it's like, are we going to see a fight? 
But if it's just like a random person in the front row and you just fucking cut their head off right away, there's this sense that like, oh, wow, we can't fuck around with this guy. Like, right, look yeah. what he did to that. That guy didn't do nothing to nobody. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. right. Like, you know, because that's what they would just execute a dude right away in the prison camp to go like, hey, we're not fucking yeah, around. Keep everyone here. in line. We're in charge. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do that. Uh, but anyway. No, so. no, no. I've just like I've seen people like blow up at someone. Uh, before and uh, it was just like someone who's, who might have been in the front row and it, it's always it's it's like that thing you were saying it was just like those moments where you gotta you have to make sure that like that that one person is also annoying like a couple of other people yeah. in the crowd not just the person on stage because then if you just blow up at that everyone's like whoa hey that, I didn't that well there's like math to me. it there's like a whole skill yeah. set you know it's like like simple shit that like new guys don't appreciate that like you have to repeat back into the microphone well, what course. they just yeah. said because. Right, yeah. You know, nobody else in the crowd. I mean, it's all shit you guys know, but like, it's amazing to me how like it's little shit like that 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 is that takes years to sort of get the skill set down, so that you're never going to get thrown on stage no matter what anybody says. You know. Now, how did so. you get your first writing gig for the roasts, which are so you know famous on Comedy Central? Right. But how did you even start in that kind of genre? Just you know, grinding out in the New York scene and meeting people, or did you submit? No. Or uh, well, I had. Uh, 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 I had the same manager, Greg Giraldo, and I had the same manager, and okay. uh, he and I got sober at the same time, like within a week of each other. Okay. And so our my manager and he and I had like drank together before, like we we were aware of each other. Uh, but the manager suggested, like, hey, you guys should go on the road together. You keep each other out of trouble. So yes, I became Giraldo's opener for like five years. Like it was just he and I touring around together, and we, you know, it was kind of we would try to keep each other in line and. You saw how that went with Greg, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. like over the years, he kind of just had a lot of trouble with the staying sober and stuff, but we stayed friends. Anyway, the point is, is about like kind of in our, in the first year that we were hanging out, he had the flavor flavor roast coming up and basically said to me like, Hey, you know, I'm always looking for Joe. And, and I like really took it seriously. I wrote him like 20 pages of shit. Yeah. And, uh, he used a bunch of it and it went really well. In fact, uh, comedy central came up with a top 10 best roast jokes of all time. Yes. And I wrote numbers two and seven. Okay. And seven was from that very first packet. Wow. From the Flavor Flav roast. It was iced tea is so old. The first thing he bought with his record deal money was his freedom. Whatever. It is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The point is, is that like I, it's it's like a thing. It's a specific subset of comedy that's a real skill. I think. Yeah, that, it's a muscle for sure. That you just you either have it or you don't. Kind of a thing. Yep. And and it's just coincidentally enough. He gave me the opportunity to try it, and I am good well, for, at it. For me, I'm to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the roast because it's kind of like it becomes repetitive after a while. Right. Uh, the kind of working out that muscle, kind of what, what you're talking right. about. It's because I've seen the wizard behind the the, the behind the glass. Yeah, you thing. can see people's delivery systems. Kind yes, of, you know. yes. But I will say this, and me and Dave have talked about this before. My still my favorite roast segment of all time of any of them I've seen was uh, Greg's Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, I, right. I still think that is uh, the best um, seven minutes of a roast of any of them. I, I actually, I uh, not to take any credit away no, from No, yeah, Greg, that's why I'm bringing Greg it up. was huge. He was, like, my best friend, and he was absolutely instrumental in my whole life, like, mm. in sort of helping me get on track and taught me a lot about sobriety and all kinds of shit and whatever but like he ha I I wrote most of that set cuz he was wickedly off the rails at the time in it fact It was I still We had to trick him into going out to LA cuz he was like we had to fucking right get him onto a plane yeah so he wasn't really present for a lot of that but what he did bring which is everybody's favorite moment was something I had nothing to do with was that like because it wasn't written. It was like a real moment where he was like, how the fuck are you so popular? Yes, that yes, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. That was like just pure Greg yeah. coming out of the haze of a fucking uh, 
off the rails. Because every comic has sat that there. He was just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> well, every every yeah. comic has sat there and said that about another comic. Right. Whether it was Dane Cook of that generation, like how the fuck does this work? Right. Or it's Larry the Cable Guy, or whatever the star is that most comics don't want to aspire to be, but they love their success. Right. You know, it's always, there's always someone where everyone is like, come on, what the fuck? Yeah. Like my, my parents watched um, one Christmas, they were watching one of the... Uh, their tours, Larry the Cable Guy and Foxworthy. What are they? The, uh, the Blue, Blue Collar Comedy yeah, yeah. Tour. And my dad just turned to me and said, see, this is kind of, why, why can't you be like this? You know, and it's just like, he wasn't trying to be mean about yeah, yeah, yeah. it. He was just trying to be like, look, I know you're toiling away and, and working so hard. Right. Maybe if you just did something like this, you could be happier, you know? And I'm just like, you know, nine to fivers don't get it. And I just yeah, say, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, know? totally. I just, I just like uh, the fact that, like, uh, like uh, it, it, Greg revealed that, wait, well, uh, that uh, the Larry the Cable Guy is a character. Yeah, and it's like no one. Oh, that was mine. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's like Dan. Dan maybe Wheatley. next year we can roast SpongeBob. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, and, yeah. I, and I love that line because uh, you know you. It was one of those moments like uh, you know when you tell someone wrestling is uh, yeah, yeah, staged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Or the Bill Burr rant of like the fucking Rocky statue. Right. Oh, dude, that's right. That's it's so it's amazing. comparable to that. That's it's so just brilliant. like yeah. It's like come on. Um, but yeah, no, my two favorite because actually the, the the number two joke that Comedy Central was on that that I wrote that was uh, the Lisa's a lot like the Octomom. She hasn't had eight babies, but she has had eighty fingers inside her. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but my yeah. other favorite one was the one about um, how uh, your fans aren't coming because they think you're funny. They've just never seen a cable guy. So by that rationale, <laughs> right, 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 just invent other fake characters they've never seen before, like Larry the dentist or Larry the librarian or Larry <laughs> the high school diploma. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like, just selling that he's a character. I just want to ask how much do you how much do you like genuine like research do you put into someone before a you lot. roast? Them? Really? Okay. And not everybody does. Right. Like, uh, in fact, like, you know, Jeff Ross is a really good friend of mine. I wrote for his show for two years, The, yeah. the, uh, the Burn and whatever. Right. I love Jeff. Uh, Jeff really doesn't. Like, because Jeff's just, like, great at it. And, yeah. and what Jeff does, like, he doesn't really dig deeply on a guy. No. Like, like all of his stuff is the best version of a the first or subject second level. that everybody knows. Yes. You know, like, yes. Kanye's mom died. That's a fucking, you know what I mean? Like, everybody knows that. That's the joke. It's like, I tend to dig up, like... Like that one, it was on the same roast about, uh, no, this was on the Hasselhoff roast, that Springer, Jerry Springer used to be an aide to Bobby Kennedy. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I knew that, like, nobody's going to have a joke about that. Right. So it was the, which I guess explains your connection to David Hasselhoff, because you seem to love hanging around guys whose career end on a hotel floor, right? Cause right, the, right. Uh, anyway, so I personally do, like, a shit ton of research for shit. But, like, as a contrast, Jeff at the fucking Franco roast, just a couple... We a month, two months ago or whatever, at rehearsal, like I hadn't seen Jeff set because I was writing on the staff, so I wrote a bunch of other stuff. Like I wrote Franco stuff and and some of Seth Rogen's and shit. Like, but so Jeff was doing his own thing. Jeff came in for rehearsal. He had fifteen minutes on Franco being Italian, and <laughs> and we had to pull him aside and go like. Franco is zero percent Italian. Like that's a <laughs> Portuguese name. Are you aware of that? And he was like, oh fuck. He's like, well. I guess he's Italian tomorrow. <laughs> like, he just is like, right. fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. So that's what I mean about, like, it's different levels. Like, I read fucking Hasselhoff's book. You're okay. I read his, that shit is in my brain now. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I can't yeah. get rid of it. It's there. I read his whole dumb book. Now, do you ever get any kind of, uh, not feedback, but I guess, is there ever a time where someone's upset with either how far one of your jokes has gone or any kind of kickback? Yeah, yeah. Like, even from another comic, because you guys say horrible things about the other comics on the stage. Is there any ever a comic that's been like, oh, I didn't really appreciate that? 
No. I mean, Sarah Silverman went on. Uh, she's great, by the way. Like, I'm not saying anything. Right. Great, but she went on uh, W. Kamal Bell's show and addressed that it hurt her feelings that we called her old. You know what I mean? Like that. Whatever. So it's just a thing. Wow. Right. Um, but so, I mean, I think it does some comics like I think it's great. It's flattering to me. Like if I'm ever on a roast, like I think it's awesome when guys dick on me. Like, yeah, but that's the whole point. Like, of the being biggest on a insult roast. on being on a roast is when you just get ignored. Like yeah. Greg used to hate that. Like yeah. that bugged the shit out of Greg because like there was no good angle on Greg. Right. And I don't know why nobody really ever went the uh, nobody really went the alcoholic route with him like they should have. But it Maybe was all just Colombian nobody. Though. You know, yeah. that was yeah. his, he was, was unknown. You're jokes. a nobody. Yeah. Spick jokes or you're a nobody. And yeah. it was like there's a whole fucking genre of joke that nobody's yes. hitting here that you should like make yes. him a piece of shit. Like, why uh, alcoholic. You do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but but yeah, he used to get so bugged that like people would ignore him at the roast. He was like, what the fuck do I got to do to get people to, you know what right. I mean? Um, but uh, but well, you know, there's kind of a the story that I've told a bunch that some people know that um, uh, I wrote a joke that made Melissa Rivers storm out of the Joan Rivers roast. Right. Well, and, uh, I, but those those two don't seem like that they can take. Uh, they just take themselves. I think so Joan seriously. Joan's awesome. Joan can, but I don't think Melissa. can. Yeah, Joan can. Well, but she's really overprotective. Well, I feel of like Melissa. Joan kind of feels a little bit. I don't want to put words in her, but sure. I feel like she has kind of a Doctor Frankenstein role in all this. That she's like, "What have I done?" You know, to like, her I forced my daughter. Yes, show yeah, yeah, yes, and yes. Now, I believe that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yep. So I think that there is maybe some like I love Joan guilt Rivers, behind right. that. But yeah, I love I, I, I love Joan Rivers even separate thing. Even in the time of her darkness of a lot of people didn't want anything to do with her. I always thought she was great. I've always, right. you know, even on the show multiple times, we've said how great she is. But I do agree with you about the Frankenstein analogy with Melissa yeah, I mean, sucking your kid into this. You yeah. realize, like, how what you have to fucking at the end of the day when you're sitting in a hotel room by yourself question the judgment of having your daughter star in a fucking TV. Yes. A, a TV movie about your husband about her father's suicide yeah. she yeah. played herself in yes that. like yeah, I know. how it's fucking up. crazy it's fucked up they have to like relive the emotions fucked up. of their fucking her dad killing her. anyway the point is so i wrote this joke about melissa rivers and there was a caveat that was like no melissa jokes that was like on the table from the beginning <laughs> really and yeah 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 it was like the one That's thing shitty. that she said well, because every, she, she's really tied to her. That's her her, her uh, kind of image is tied to that her and her daughter. And yeah, I agree. It doesn't and, surprise me though that she would have right. that. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, like, and every guy it's who's like it's there, it, everybody who's the guest of honor does get like, uh, hey, please don't. Yeah. Like the Dennis and, Leary, and don't and bring usually, up Bill Hicks. Is, was that one of them? Well, I don't know, but they never bring it up. Yeah, I know, which is funny because I wrote, the I wrote in the one room. for that that was uh, uh, Dennis turned uh, 41 this year, which is the first thing he's ever done that Bill Hicks didn't do first. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. That's a great joke. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, but it, you know, usually we play ball with it. Like, the, like uh, Saget said, like, don't dick on the Olsen twins too much. And it was like, all right, that's fair. You know, it's not their roast and their kids and whatever well, makes sense. Plus, like, he's uh, also kind of gotten into some trouble about yeah. that, like, you know, talking with them on stage and right. saying horrible things about them. So I could see that, that. To me, that's almost a fair one. Yeah, we're not, like, unethical monsters, but, but yeah. Can the, you be? The, the Melissa the show one, so much better. The, the <laughs> Melissa one did feel a little, like, really, Yeah, that's a bit on. much. You know, she, and yeah. so, so I wrote this one anyway, and Greg was like, dude, that's fucking great. We <laughs> and we ran it past the producer, and he was like, yeah, fuck it, do it. It's great. And so, uh, so the joke was basically, because this is a fact that Melissa River, or no, that Joan, you know, there's tons of plastic surgery jokes. Yeah. Jones' plastic surgeon was Michael Jackson's plastic surgeon. They had the same guy. Yeah, which I think is I read a that somewhere. Detail. Yes, yeah, I and read so that somewhere. And so it was like they have a whole bunch of stuff in common. It's not just the plastic surgeon. They both uh, spent, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to look like a creepy old white lady. Both of them are way more popular now that they're dead. 
and they both raised a chimp. <laughs> and <laughs> she fucking stormed out of the roast. And they had to, like, stop production for, like, a couple of minutes to talk her to come back in because she was sitting in the front. Right. She wasn't on the dais. She was sitting in the front. Now, did Greg say that joke? Yeah, yeah, Greg and, did. And what did the audience do? They loved it, and right. she stormed out. And then What did Joan do at that moment? So I don't mean cutting you off, but what was Joan at that moment? Do you know? She seemed, she laugh at if it? If you watch, she seems a little unhappy with Greg the whole set. Right. Like, she's okay. just kind of like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? There's, a, there's actually a genuine moment where she's you see her reaction is like, what the fuck is he doing? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. that kind of thing. She's a great sport, but I just think that, you know, Greg was kind of raw and whatever. And so anyway, so... They had to get her back, and uh, if you watch that roast, Melissa goes up on stage, and all she does, the only thing that she does is thank everybody for coming to support her mom, or, you know, to honor her mom, and fuck you, Greg Giraldo. That is all that she says, <laughs> and the reason that that's there is that was the sort of uh, caveat to get her to agree to come back. Yes. Yeah. Is that, because she wasn't even supposed to go up. Right. But she went up as a result of that joke. That I thought it was great that Joan Rivers could have out. a facial expression <laughs> with the amount of shit that she said pumped into her. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, you got the the roast of the Iron Sheik as a part of the the. Dark, yeah, I'm doing uh, that. Yeah, that's festival. November 8th. November. Yeah, November yeah. 8th in Toronto is part of Let's do, just go over a couple of your dates so we don't forget. Uh, November 8th, as part of the Dark Comedy Festival, you will be uh, on the Roast of the Iron Sheik. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the venue is, but we'll say that at the end of the show when we, when we do the wrap-up. And November 6th to 10th, you're playing Toronto Absolute. Yeah. Uh, so that's in the same week as that uh, Iron Cheek, and you're on the Best of Fest on the Tuesday, uh, which is uh, also the 6th, I believe. I think it is, yeah. yeah I'm not so. sure what the date is, but yep. How much like how much Iron Sheik uh, research have you done? I haven't started yet. Like okay. that's the other Just thing that people think is kind of crazy is is that those roasts all of it gets written in three weeks. Yeah, like all of it. Like because the dais is so uh, you know fluid. Right. People bail like two weeks before, and they build the whole dais within three weeks. So all that shit gets written. So I'm kind of used to. I feel like I write better in that pressure cooker yeah. right, right, for right. the roast specifically. So I'm no. going to start on it next week, actually, when I get home. All right. That was the second segment of our uh, chat that we had with Jesse Joyce. Uh, very, very funny comic, uh, originally from Philadelphia, now spends uh, most of his actually, time. Actually, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Oh, really? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, he does say that. So you listening at home probably could have corrected me if I was here. <laughs> and like, hey, you fucking idiot. He just said he was from he Pittsburgh. He said Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got to go to a break. When we come back, uh, we'll uh, hear more from uh, Jesse Joyce. Hey, it's Mike Boyd. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin on Sirius XM Radios. It's a great fucking show. If you bleep that, I'll know the title of the show is bullshit. <laughs> no, there'll be no bleeping. Guess which host has to start their car with a breathalyzer? This is Anything Goes. All right, here we are at the final segment of our interview with Jesse Joyce, live from Ottawa. This is Anything Goes for the week of October 23rd. How did it roll into the Academy Awards, for you writing for the Academy Awards? Is How it did just, that happen? Well, just, is it from your, your, your roast writings, and it just yeah. kind of led that way? Yeah, I mean, all of it. It's just all this backdoor bullshit. Whenever anybody, like, asks me writing advice, like, hey, you know, because I've written for a bunch of stuff. Sure. Like, How do I get in? It's like, well, 
I don't know, become an alcoholic and get friend, f- become friends with Greg Giraldo and get sober at the same time <laughs> and then watch him die and then you get opportunities because that happened. Like, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, there's no logical. So that's exactly what happened. Is that Greg and I had a writing partnership for all the roasts and yep. the, you know, the producers and stuff knew it. Like, we were a team. So I'd get, you know, CC'd on all the emails and whatever and I was the contact point for a lot of shit. And, and then after Greg died, they basically kind of grandfathered me into the staff. Right. So for the Trump roast, I just wrote for everybody, and that was an awful experience because that was the worst roast, in my opinion, that they've ever, they've ever done. I didn't it see just, it. Oh, yeah. really? Well, why, why, why was that? Because the... Trump's a cocksucker, yeah. and uh, he he was running for fake president at the time. Like, he really wasn't, but the worst timing possible for that because all of a sudden it was like, well, we can't, you know. Yeah, he's nobody, worried about what you're going to say. He's worried now. about his image suddenly, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, he would take his script and return it to us like a real estate contract where it was just redacted in black. With like, it's like, nobody asked you to do that, dipshit. We just want to know if you could say it. Like, we don't right. fucking, you know what I mean? He's like crossing out words and jokes. Like, don't edit our fucking jokes. That's yeah. not your job. Yeah, these aren't government papers being released yeah, yeah, to the yeah. public. Ugh, dude, he was Roswell. the worst. And you know what he did all the time? He, like, his number one contribution to the jokes were, uh, like, we had this one that was like, hey, what's the difference between uh, Donald Trump's head and a wet raccoon? A wet raccoon doesn't have $3 billion. He took $3 billion, he crossed it out, and he put seven. So yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, that helps. <laughs> you added a syllable. That's all you did. Like, he just jacked up the numbers, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there was another one, something about him living in a 25,000-square-foot penthouse space station that's made of ivory that orbits the Earth so that, you know, he's responsible <laughs> for bed bugs and famine and disease, but he doesn't even live on Earth. I can't remember how the joke went, but that was the gist of it. Right. He crossed out 25,000 square feet, put 50,000. Like, he wanted people to know that his fictitious space station was bigger. That's how much of a piece of shit this guy is. Yeah, if, if you, there's a, a documentary, uh, You've Been Trumped, about him trying to build a, uh, a golf course in right. Scotland. And he... Like, he's just the biggest piece of shit in it. He's well, he really a bully. He's a bully. Yeah. yeah. So, and Financial he just bully. scowled the whole time. It yeah. just was a disaster. And I hated writing for the general celebrities. Like, I just, it was like, and especially, you know, it was, it was kind of right on the heels of Greg dying. And it really was like my first one doing it after that. And I was like, uh, I just was miserable because it was like, you know, I didn't have Greg with me. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm just watching Larry King fuck up my jokes, you know? And you know, and furthermore, like nobody had the balls to do the kind of jokes Greg. Like there was a, one I had that I thought was so great, and everybody was like, "Yeah, if we had a Greg, somebody yeah. could do it," right. but we don't. And it was because uh, Marley Maitland was on it, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but William Hurt, they had like a real contentious relationship. They used to date, and he used to beat the shit out of her. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And so now she speaks at domestic violence groups and stuff okay. all the time. And, so, yeah, so Marley was a victim of domestic violence, which proves that not only does she not hear, but she also doesn't listen. And <laughs> and nobody had the ball. Like, we put it in everybody's script, and they all were like, I'm There's not no doing way that. So, could, yeah. And it was just such a shame because Greg would have done it. And It's a great joke, but I, very few people, I think, that aren't comics with a certain amount of experience yeah. could ever pull that joke off. Right. So I find... Like, I'd love to see Larry King try. Dude, I would have loved... <laughs> I tried. I lobbied Larry King so hard to do that joke, and he would... Well, uh, we have... Because uh, uh, he beat the fuck out of her. I don't know if you, uh, we'll be right back with a yeah, caller. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just... Uh, the Larry King was... I, I think he had like a... He had like three wrestlers. He had like Hulk Hogan, Mick Foley, and I think Ric Flair were on his CNN show. Right. And he asked literally each one of them, just like, now if this was a real fight between you and Hulk Hogan, Mick Foley, who would win? 
And, right. all, and the three of them are just the... kind of all like, what? but what? that's not what we... And like, it, yeah, it was yeah, almost yeah. like Larry hadn't clued into that wrestling is, is, is a show. It was, just, it was one of those weird <laughs> moments of like, oh. Right, yeah, it's like I, he's interviewing Denzel Washington about American Gangster. Now, if you really were a heroin-smuggling yeah. drug dealer, <laughs> would you have set that guy on fire? <laughs> I'm an actor, Larry. Piece of shit. Like, well, it, I saw Eric Clapton yeah. was on Larry King once, and, and, and literally, I swear to God, he was like, now, uh, you were in the, the, you were in the cream. Now, and, well, now, what happened to, <laughs> now, what happened to that? And like, Eric Clapton's like, well, that's, uh, uh, it was a band I was in for what three years. And, yeah, yeah like, cream. Whatever happened to you guys? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, well, you're here now, so you're around. What's, <laughs> now, that, do, now, do Jesse yeah, the Body yeah. Ventura if he was on Larry King. Now, well, I don't know. <laughs> I was doing my Jesse the Body Ventura impressions <laughs> last night. That's yeah. great. But how, so how, we got off sidetrack, but how do you lead to anyway, the Academy yeah, Awards? So the point is, is that I made it known that I was like, I can't, I can't fucking write for these fucking idiots. Like, I, it's, it's not fun for me or right. whatever. And so just coincidentally and conveniently enough, it worked out where uh, Seth did really well on that Trump roast. That was his first one doing it. So then the next year was the Sheen roast. Yes. And uh, they thought like they kind of, I guess the stuff that they had been writing for Seth wasn't really working or whatever. So it, it, however it worked out, they were like, why don't we just have Jesse exclusively write for Seth? So I did that. And for the, it went, the Charles Sheen Yeah, roast, for the Sheen roast. Which we, he was very good on. He was very well, strong you. on. Yes. So yes. that went really well. And I mean, he's fucking great anyway. It's yeah. Not like I'm and not he can pull that Marley that. Matlin like, joke off. Yeah, yeah. He may not get a laugh, but he could have done it. He has balls. He does, yes. Seth was the only dude. He had kind of Geraldo-esque balls in the sense that he he would be willing to go there. Yeah. And uh, uh, in fact, I had this one joke that he was really close to doing because he loved it so much. And his publicist was like, I'm absolutely not. You're not allowed to do that joke. And it was because it hits four people. Like, that's the fucking crown jewel. Yeah. Of a roast, it, the more people you can slam yes. with one joke, and it was um, Kate Walsh and John Lovitz were both there, and Patrice O'Neill and uh, Mike Tyson. So the joke was, um, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but it's big news. Uh, Kate Walsh and John Lovitz have signed on to do a new reality show with Patrice and Mike Tyson. It's going to be called John and Kate Plus Apes. And... <laughs> All of them. That's fucking four in one. And he was just like, dude, that's fucking genius. And yeah. and then, but his publicist was like, you are absolutely not going to call black people apes. Yeah. That's not acceptable. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so uh, so he really just liked what I did. So after that, he just kind of started calling me with like side projects. Like, yeah. right. He'd have like a speech that he had, like he got an award at Harvard and he asked me to write that and I really like put a lot of effort into it because I wanted to nail it and yeah yeah and, it's and then and it's, yeah you know, it's gonna right lead to more and things. then he got a, like the thing on the Spike Guys Choice Award so I wrote his acceptance speech and then it just kind of like snowballed into like now just sort of regularly like every couple months he'll call me like I'm his writer guy who's not with Family Guy like right, so yeah. if he doesn't want to divert. Uh, whatever attention from like he'll yeah, bring that's a me in thing. for it's a, a tertiary side project, you know. So like I wrote his thing for the Emmys, like yep. that kind of shit. And then basically, so I thought it was like when he he was announced he was going to do the Oscars. I was like, I wonder if he'll like ask me to do like it would be great. I kind of I was like, I bet you he might. But I kind of figured maybe he'd just have me do it under the table or whatever. But what was super cool about him is is that he had the Academy hire me, so it was like an official credited. You know, so yeah, uh, it was like that is guild great. paid and, you know, and a put real me, credit. Yeah. Put me on the map as far as the fact that it was like, well, this thing might actually get nominated for an Emmy. You know what I mean? Like it was a cool it didn't. Mm. But the point is, is that like it really kind of gave me a lot of street cred. The fact that I had my name and the on the and then 
Uh, that was, uh, there we go. That was the uh, interview with Jesse Joyce. Uh, there should be a little bit more, that, but you can uh, go to the podcast. Uh, it'll be up soon on iTunes uh, at uh, Anything Goes on SiriusXM. And then, uh, oh, Jesse's uh, website is jessejoyce.com. You can find him on Twitter at Jesse Joyce. And uh, I think he's, yeah, he's going to be in Toronto. So. He's going to be in Toronto as part of the Toronto Dark Comedy Festival. You can go to their website for more information. He is being part of the Roast of the Iron Sheik. I believe that's on November 6th or 7th. Look at the website for details. And he's also doing Absolute Comedy November 6th to 9 uh, in downtown Toronto, Young and Angleton. So please check that out. And also, upcoming dates for myself and Dave Martin. Uh, October, 20, October 31st to uh, November 2nd, we are at the Calgary Yuck Yucks. And the next weekend, we are in Edmonton on the 8th and 9th. Uh, the Yuck Yucks there in the casino. So please go check us out. And future dates for me in Halifax and St. John's and Toronto. All my dates are at ComedyHorror.com. <coughs> and I'm uh, going to be actually, the, I, don't, I don't even know what the numbers are, but after Calgary and Edmonton, I will be in Vancouver. So you can That will come be and, on November 14th to 16th, Dave. Yeah, you can come and see me there. I'll be in Vancouver. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, check out the podcast for the rest of Jesse Joyce's interview. And uh, next week is uh, going to be Mike McDonald. Yes, the and... legend, Mike McDonald. We talked to him for almost 90 minutes, so there'll be lots for the podcast. And that's why it's important for you to download the podcast. There is always extra material on there. Yeah, yeah or yeah, we hope to. Whatever, whatever I feel like giving to you, I will give it to you. <laughs> Uh, that's it for this week. Thank you very much. Uh, party hard and party safe. Good night. That's it for this week. Anything Goes wants to thank Victoria for producing the show and George Westerholm for the music used. Follow the hosts on Twitter at Comedy Whore at Dave Martin World. Download new episodes every week on iTunes. Join the Facebook group and follow the show on Twitter at Anything Goes Hot. Anything Goes hopes you laugh, cry, and learn something. Come back next week. And until then, take it easy. That is great. Guild paid and, you know, and a, put a me, real credit. Yeah, put me on the map as far as the fact that it was like, well, this thing might actually get nominated for an Emmy. You know what I mean? Like, it was a cool, it didn't, mm. but the point is, is that, like, it really kind of gave me a lot of street cred, the fact that I had my name and the, on the, and then completely. Did, did David Feldman also write on that one? Not on that one, but that was Feldman. The year before. Do you know Feldman? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, he's the fucking greatest. Oh, Everybody loves David Phillips. He's amazing, yeah. and he should be much bigger. Like the, but yeah. Considered, like, the best writer in comedy, yeah. you know? Um, he, we, he worked on The Burn with me. This oh, okay. is my favorite joke that Feldman wrote was uh, 
they because you know you know I don't, the burn. I don't know if you ever saw it, but the it was a weekly roast show and yeah, we yeah, would no, roast. No, no. Yeah, it, it was up here for a while. I don't know if it's still on our commie network. Well, it only had two seasons. I thought so. that was a that was another thing too. It was sort of like I thought I heard that the burn was canceled, but then it's still not officially canceled. That's the weird part. Yeah, but it's it hasn't been brought back yet. So, okay. uh, and a lot of time has passed now. So who knows? right, so but, you don't know yet. But anyway, uh, so this, it was like more. It was like an abstract roast because we were roasting news stories and things right, like that. Right. And so Feldman has one that really killed me, and it was uh, uh, the County Kerry in Ireland repealed drinking and driving as a law. I don't know if you guys heard that. Story. Yes, yes, yes. Because in, it's such a fucking hilarious stereotypical <laughs> Irish. Story. What yeah. happened is uh, people they drink drunk driving laws were so strict, and County Kerry so rural that people had to drive a significant distance to go out to the pub, and they were so afraid of getting a DUI that they would stay home instead and, and drink, drink and get sad and kill themselves. Yeah. So the suicide rates spiked in County Kerry as a result of nobody going out and socializing at bars. Right. So they repealed the drinking and driving laws so people would socialize and get out of their house and not kill themselves. Yeah. So Feldman had this joke about, uh, uh, it was, uh, here, here's, this is what an Irish sobriety test is like. You, uh, the cop pulls you over and asks how your mother is, and if you punch him instead of cry, you're sober enough to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote, in my opinion, the best Oscar joke ever. It was because he writes for Steve Martin. So, yeah. so anytime Steve does the Oscars, Feldman's his guy. It was, uh, uh, I see uh, Meryl Streep is here, and anytime anybody has the opportunity to work with Meryl Streep, they always walk away with two things. One, what an amazing actress, and two, what is with all the Hitler memorabilia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Feldman's. Uh, that guy. That's up his but, alley, but yeah. actually, I didn't know the thing about uh, Steve Martin and David Feldman, but that kind of it, it makes a little bit more sense. I, I mean, my favorite uh, Steve Martin joke, and it sounds like a David Feldman uh, line of uh, uh, when he hosted the Oscars. It was. Uh, um, they were talking about uh, he was talking about uh, violence in movies, and he was like, "You know, I took a I took a nine year old child to go joke. and see the movie Gladiator, Gladiator. Yeah. and he cried the entire movie. And uh, well, of course, he didn't know who I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I never asked Feldman about that one, but uh, but yeah, that's great. It's, other... It screams him, but like I remember it really watching does, going that like it's dark. That's that's like a, a child abduction pedophile kind of joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, you know, that sounds like Feldman. snuck in there. Yeah, like, quite that he could go there. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really. We've had him on the show. We did a phone with him a couple months ago, and we were we just laughed the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I I love him. I've always wished. You know, one of the, one of the sadness of our of our business is that there are great comics that because they're not kind of young and hip, you know, comedy clubs generally won't bring them in as much, or, or right. for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't want to travel as much. Yeah, so he used that's... to come up to Toronto quite a bit, and he I would go see him multiple shows. Him, guys like Patton Oswalt before he became too big to play comedy club. Right. But this is kind of, you know, guys like Feldman I wish would tour more. Yeah, I mean, Feldman has a wife and two kids. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, so that's what not, it is. is, yeah. is that, and, and, you know, writing always pays better than, yeah. than live stand-up. Yes. You know, so. Uh, yeah, you do live stand-up for the know, love of it, not the paying the rent. He has a lifestyle yeah. that he's accustomed to, and so, you know. Yeah, yeah so. I think, I mean, at a certain point, uh, yeah, I, for some people I could totally see how they, uh, you know the charm, the, the the ego rub of doing jokes in front of people might not be that big a deal anymore. You can yeah, I mean he and I would argue about it all the time, like in a fun, like a fun way. Like he really, he was always like, "Why don't you just you gotta just move out here to LA and just do writing stuff?" And and I like I love doing the road still. Right. Like, yeah. I I've been doing it fucking sixteen, seventeen years. Like yeah. if I was gonna be sick of it, I would have by now. Especially right. now that you got a lady I in this town, you like coming up here. Yeah, it's kind of being kind of you know right. seeing the, the the different towns up here, whether it's Toronto or Ottawa or yeah. But Kingston. anywhere, I just I yeah I, I really still get excited about traveling, mm-hmm. and I just feel like you really have to be wired to. 
be like that if you're going to do stand-up. You know? was, now, your last CD was in 2010, 11, right? 2011. 2011. Yeah, yeah. Any plans of putting uh, something else? Yeah, or? by the end of the – like, all next year, I'm going to be working on it. Like, I already have, like, I think a solid new half hour. Right. But it's it's the the – the scaffolding is still the f- there's still 15 minutes of shit from the sure. last one that I, I got to strip away entirely. And, right. You know, part of the problem is like you write what I do is so like I'll add a new things. chunk. I'll add a new joke onto like an existing joke that I had. And then that. But I still kind of need the original joke to hold it. Yeah. To get into the new chunk. Yeah. And it's like, well, I can't put that on a CD now unless I figure out a new way to fucking, you know, so whatever. But uh, but yeah, that's the plan, and I might record it here again because this right. is such an awesome audience response. Yeah, every, people love that uh, that uh, Absolute Club. There's so yeah, many American do. comics that have done it here at, yeah. uh, at Absolute because. Uh, but we all have this thing: you you can't use the Friday or Saturday show. It's too good. It sounds fake. Like right, it sounds right, like yeah. you just did like a 200 person bringer show. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you kind of have to use the Thursday. That's the show. Yeah, no, I, I've I, I've heard people say that like if, if you if you're a comic and you can't do well in that club, then you should just do, walk away from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Conversely, just... the one thing I think is it's dangerous for new guys. Way you too guys dangerous. get a really false sense Way. of what stand up. They like. all go, "Hey, right. I killed it, absolute," and then they come to Toronto yeah, yeah, and they yeah. play some other venues and they bomb. So, right, yeah. right, yeah, 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 but. yeah. It's like Kobe in the Special Olympics. It's like, yeah, I have a feeling you'll probably crush it. <laughs> yeah, right. so. yeah, I was. I, I went to go see the. I was. I told Darren the story yesterday. I went to go see the uh, uh, the movie uh, Captain Phillips. Oh yeah. And uh, I went to go see it, and then about it was in like a small theater, maybe sat like a hundred, you know, maybe about uh, hundred and fifty or something like that. And I'd say there was maybe about like thirty Somalian teenagers. In the movie, you know, well, like watching, yeah, in yeah, watching yeah, yeah, the movie in the, the movie. theater, and right. you could tell that they were like, "Oh fuck, we are gonna whoa, man, we're gonna see us." They were up rooting on that. for the Somali pirates. Yeah, they were like excited about it, and they were all <laughs> kind of laughing. And I was going like, "This is a news story, and you, you know I don't, I don't think it's gonna turn out well for you guys." <laughs> That's fascinating. It was wow. really, really weird. And then, but at the same time, I was sitting there going like, "This is probably the first time that like a, someone from Somalia that like lives in yeah. Canada or from a you know whether it was Canadian." Canadian or American, you know, Somalian born uh, that could actually go to a theater and see a representation representation uh, of their country of on, them on as bad guys yeah. or, or anyone. Yeah. I'm but sure like, that's how the Nazis felt when the Indiana Jones series came out. Yeah, like, sweet. Yes, yeah. finally, we can finally wear our coats now. We go to the theater. <laughs> yeah, or oh, I wonder how this will turn out. Yeah, yeah horrible yeah, accent. Yeah. I know, but yeah. we do not have to hide in the wall to watch this movie. This is amazing. The irony. Uh, so let's just go over the dates because we are uh, unfortunately out of time. Yeah, uh, November. 6 to 10 uh, at Toronto Absolute. That's November 6 to 10. November 8th, the Iron Sheik Roast is part of the Dark Comedy Fest. You can go to that website and find out the venue. And uh, your website, is, of course, is jessejoyce.com. jessejoyce.com, yeah. And are you on Twitter? Twitter, just jessejoyce, yeah. So. And you Twittered all the jokes that you didn't write or didn't make the show of the Oscars, right? I do that all the time. So, yeah, yeah it's anytime I do, like, a high-profile writing gig, like one of the, if I, any of the roasts or the Oscars or whatever, I will always tweet out the next day, uh, all the jokes that I wrote that didn't make it in that I thought were good, and uh, what's cool is the Huffington Post has picked up on that. It's yeah, no, I've like seen that. That we were on the line, yeah. So like they'll you know publish a whole article about the the unused jokes that I used. So, yeah. so all right. Anyway, check I, it out. I, I, I'm I'd, I'd love to be able to see the uh, the Iron Sheik roast just because I, I think it. Uh, 
I I, I think it's going to be mostly comedy fans, and it's this, yeah. Like if if wrestling fans go, it's it's always a very double edged sword with uh, joking about wrestling because they always they hold it very near and dear to them. Yeah, yeah. And but it's also it's like uh, it's like country music fans. It's sort of like don't make fun of country music because they're so used to standing up for it, like amongst you know other other friends who just like hey, I'm a because it's it's weird. Country music is that one of still one of those like closeted music fans, right? Yeah, yeah. Even though it's to... a huge genre, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Especially not up here, but in the states, they're they're not so closed about it. I guess, yeah. But I Certain mean, parts. just like wrestling fans, because I remember I did a show. Uh, uh, it, what was it? It's that's Kelowna where they would have. Yeah. Uh, there was like a club, and on UFC nights. Uh, they would show the UFC, and it would place would be packed, and they would still insist on doing the comedy show that night too. After right. the UFC, and I remember trying to go on, and I I had a couple of UFC jokes because because uh, um, uh, you know, a lot of time in Toronto, like uh, comics were working on Saturday night, so we would tape the UFC and then watch it uh, like on on a Monday night with a bunch of comics, and right. we'd throw jokes around about it. And uh, then I remember trying to do those jokes, same jokes, in front of a bunch of crowd that has just watched the UFC, and they were like. No, you don't. You, you're not. Don't joke about that. You can't. <laughs> they were. They like, like hold it near right. and dear to them, so it's they don't yeah. uh, enjoy it. Uh, okay. yeah. You got to wrap it up, Dave. Okay, sure. Yeah, thanks. yeah. Well, thanks, yeah, for, thanks for coming. Thanks, appreciate thanks, guys. I had a lot of fun with you too. Thanks, thanks a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, great. Cool. Yeah. Great.